Welcome to Propinquity Press, where we bring people together with the hope that that experience changes the world. We hope you enjoy this selection by author William Spangler Dunning. The Other Side of Shadows In life, it's often the relentless complexities that overwhelm us and take away that part of us that makes all human beings feel safe and okay. That is why I believe all those people came to see my friends and I on those cold winter nights in Iowa. They came in cars, on motorcycles. They came by themselves, with friends, and at times with their entire extended family, just to stare at a few teenagers dressed in bathrobes, sitting on bales of straw, bathed in blue spotlights. Most of the time, they said nothing and stood in the distant shadows, as if this silent, one-act play was too sacred for them to approach. As the participants in this simple reenactment of the first Christmas story, we were asked to remain perfectly still while the visitors seemed to be transported to another time and place in their lives. When I would stare back at them and look deep in their eyes, it was almost as if they were experiencing a moment in time, long before the layers of life's decisions and circumstances weighted them down with responsibilities. As they gazed intently through the darkness of the night and watched their breath crystallize in the cold winter air, they somehow reconnected with something, or perhaps it was more of a time, a moment, when life was crisp, clear, and full of the hope of possibilities. Now that I am older, and often find myself on the other side of those shadows. I sometimes dream of sitting one more night on bales of straw, wrapped in bathrobes, with only the simple responsibility of remaining still enough to allow others to experience hope in a story. Those days spent sitting on bales of straw, trying not to move, are yet one more of the reasons why I turned out okay in this life. And perhaps just as important why I became a storyteller of the sacred moments in the lives of humans. Even as a small child, long before I had an intellectual understanding of the sacred, the sanctuary of my home church often caused me to slow my breathing and begin to wonder about how things are meant to fit together. I have, since my early days, visited many sanctuaries and holy places around the world. In each of those places, I felt or experienced something that could be understood as holy or beyond the daily human experience. But my home sanctuary affects me in a deeper place in my soul. That is the unique thing about the human experience. The earlier in our lives that we experience a place, the specific architecture, the smells, the lighting, the more it forges our view and understanding of the world around us. Even now, half a century later, at the first cold winter evening of an Iowa December slips gently into my life again, I am immediately transported back to my home church and that stable in the darkness. It catches me, somehow unaware each time, 
as I remain completely still, mesmerized by my own breath that hovers in front of me like dream crystals. I am beckoned to return to a simpler time, alongside some of the best people I have ever known. When these particular memories wash over me, I am awakened in my imagination, sitting on a bale of straw with the profound feeling that my life is going to turn out okay if I can just remain calm and focus long enough to allow it to unfold. In every church, there is a room stuffed full of things that are only used once a year. This room is often tucked upstairs or towards the back of a long hallway. In our little church, it also served as the choir practice room and the place where we stored both the current robes and the historic robes that were last used some 50 years ago. It seems that choir robes are a lot like old Bibles in a church. They cannot be thrown away for fear that such an act would endanger one's soul forever. The, quote, stuff room was not as beautiful as the sanctuary and often looked like an overcrowded closet. Yet just the same, there was something intensely sacred about it. My youth group friends always gathered in that, quote, stuff room before heading out into the cold darkness of the stable for our motionless portrayal of hope. It was in that room where our youth sponsor would assign each of us the character she intended us to play that night. Our youth sponsor's decisions were like the edicts of a benevolent queen and not to be questioned by us young followers. So, with her choice made, we were handed the appropriate bathrobe for the part and made our way out to the stable. In my younger years, I was nearly always given the robe of a shepherd or a wise man, characters that were destined to spend the night spending slightly off-center and far away from those bales of straw. They say that when some major historical event or human tragedy happens in your life, you remember exactly where you were, what you were wearing, and even the smells around you at the very moment you learned of the event. This phenomenon is true for three events in my life. The explosion of the Challenger space shuttle, the attack on the Twin Towers, and the moment when my name was called out in that, quote, stuff room to put on the bathrobe for Joseph, the biblical human father for baby Jesus. It was a particular spectacular moment in my life, and I remember almost every detail of that night. You might not think that there were a lot of details to remember when the whole experience consisted of us sitting silently and perfectly still for hours. However, lots can happen while people are just sitting together, particularly when these people are your best friends on this earth. The floodlights stretched our shadow images into characters larger than life and seemed to be projecting our future selves upon the front wall of the church. A thin hue of blue light outlined each of our shadows and some of us wondered aloud if this was a sign from God as to what our lives would be like as we grew into adulthood. Others, however, had no interest in thinking about the future and began using those same lights to make shadow puppets with their hands. It was then that the voice of our youth sponsor pierced the darkness, saying, Core! Quiet! Freeze and be a spiritual postcard. 
that is how she liked to describe what we were doing during those cold evenings sitting on bales of straw. We were capturing a moment in our childhood in a spiritual postcard. She must have been correct because to this day, when I think of my time growing up in that church, I begin with a frozen image of teenagers in bathrobes bathed in blue light, sitting on bales of straw surrounded by a rustic stable. In the motionlessness of that memory, my future self smiles and it is filled with hope. Our youth sponsor's name was Marion, but we all called her Skip. She had a personality that either manifested like a drill sergeant that could scare the color off of a freshly painted barn or one that drew you in like a cuddly teddy bear and became your greatest mentor. I came to know both of these manifestations throughout my time growing up in the halls of that church. Just before releasing us to run the hallways during an overnight lock-in, Skip would remind the group of her one and only rule. She would say, If you tell me what you are going to do, and I give my permission for you to do that, and you later get in trouble for that action, I will defend you with my own life. This part of the speech always inspired me to be willing to try new things and explore all the secret places in the church during our long games of hide-and-seek. However, before we could launch ourselves into the dark nooks and crannies of the many floors of that church, she would add, you should also know that if you do something without telling me and you get in trouble, which would mean getting her in trouble too, she emphasized the next part by leaning in closer to us and saying, as a Christian, I do believe in crucifixion. While she spoke those words, I often felt a lot like one of those freshly painted barns as the color from my face would disappear quickly. Notably, I always told Skip what I was about to do, both during those lock-ins and for a good portion of my life thereafter. As I grew older and experienced more of the world, far from the stillness of those bales of straw, I came to understand some of the reasons why people can experience darkness even in the middle of the bright and sunny months of midsummer. Humans have many unwritten cultural rules and expectations. If they were written down or said too loudly, these rules that secretly predetermine the possible paths for a person's life would be cast off as absurd or even unchristian. But that is the power of these rules. They hide just below the surface and the horizon of our consciousness. They would not have any power over our destiny in this life, except for the fact we never see them until they surface in our own words and understandings. They grow in strength as we experience the realities of the world immediately around us, hidden in the dark crevices of our own perceptions of what is and is not possible. These perceptions drive us to think like those around us, seek relationships with people in our own social class, choose careers and vocations similar to the people who surround us, and before we know it, the world looks rather small. Don't misunderstand my words. I love the world I grew up in, but I loved it even more because people like Skip encouraged me to seek out new places, new possibilities, and even to explore the other side of the shadows 
of my church home and my culture. 